So, so uh, and this thing of Joseph and predestination, this is actually part three now of Joseph and predestination. I think this is the fourth Sunday talking about you know, issues of predestination. Very, very beautiful. How many of us find the empower, empowerment of the Lord just around this teaching of, um, of, uh, of predestination? Uh, beautiful. I am, I'm finding that. I'm teaching this. I'm finding that I'm refreshed. Last Sunday, actually, you know, uh, you know, I'd spoken to Kings and Martha. Last Sunday, we were supposed to do like a review teaching and take it, take it easy, take it slow. But God just pumped it, man. So just, you're safer just following God, you know. Keep following the cloud. And if he unpacks more stuff, you don't want to rest if God is moving. You don't want to move if God is resting. That's the principle of the migration. Uh, of migration. So, um, so we're following the Lord as he teaches us. And as it refreshes us, as we conclude the year, on this very important principle of predestination, like, like you know, Malus has been saying, I didn't realize how important issues of predestination are. You know, it's like, and we want our children to discover how significant these things are. And, and like I've been saying to your parents, to make sure it's good that Gaz is, is online, uh, to make sure that our youth, our sons and daughters are, um, are, 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 are plugging into this teaching, uh, because actually it's important for them. We're talking about destiny here, destiny and setting a future in God and, and moving in God. And, and I think this is, this is very, 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 very important. Uh, let me start us off this afternoon by reminding us of the definition, biblical definition of the word predestination. Let's say predestination. predestination. Look at your neighbor and say, you have been predestined. And say to them, you have a destiny. That's quite a significant thing. I have a destiny in God. And we've been pulling from these scriptures, Romans 8, verse 29, Ephesians 1, verse 5, Ephesians 1, verse 11. And uh, in those scriptures, we've been predestined in Romans 8, 29. We have been predestined to be conformed to Jesus. In Ephesians 1, verse 5, we have been predestined uh, to, to, uh, to be sons of God, to, to a family, to the family of God. In Ephesians 1, 11, we've been predestined According to the plan, there's a mission, there's a plan, there's a purpose that God has for us. And that word predestination means to determine things beforehand, uh, to predetermine boundary lines and limits. And um, uh, you can't really see the, can you see the background picture there? Uh, I've got planets orbiting, um, uh, you know, in that picture there. So to determine beforehand to predetermine boundary lines and limits, to set destiny in advance. So we're talking about destiny here. We're talking about the future. Um, you know, we, we are talking about the future. Uh, uh, I, I felt the Lord inside of my heart place this week, uh, you know, at a time of prayer and fasting. And I, f- I felt the Lord place in my heart the, the phrase future security. That's a beautiful phrase, huh? How many, of us, how many of us want future security? Yeah, that's what predestination is all about. It's a beautiful phrase there. It's a beautiful, you know, future security. Like, actually, that's what every human being wants. If every human being can be rest assured that I have a future security in my, in, in, in my life. My future is secured. Uh, my well-being is secured. My, you know, my life is secured. In whatever might happen in the future, but I'm secured in him. Uh, so I, I want to place that inside of your heart, future security. Let's say that together. 
future security. And that's the phrase that, um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit, bit more about that next, next, next week. We'll see how, how God leads us. But I felt God, you know, uh, laid that inside of my heart this week uh, in, this, in this time of, of just, you know, uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, future security. And I think that's a beautiful phrase coming from the Spirit. Um, and so, so we are talking inside of predestination about, you know, determining things beforehand, to predetermine boundary lines and limits, to set destiny in advance. That's what we are talking about. Um, and, and so we are looking at this, we have this very faint uh, in the background image of planets orbiting. Um, and when we look at the word orbit, uh, it describes a carved uh, or a curved path of a celestial object. These things moving, there's activity happening, activity taking place. The curved path of a celestial object. The word orbit describes a path described by one body in its revolution about another. So we're talking about the way things relate as things move. And, and the order of God inside of our activity in the purposes of God. Uh, the word orbit is also described as a secular path, a range or sphere of activity or influence. It means to revolve in an orbit around, a secular path. So God setting a pathway for us long before you and I were born. He set that pathway in, and we are an object, if you like, in the purposes of God, in relation to other brothers and sisters, in the purposes of God. And God places us, and like those planets, we need to obey by following our set pathway, that secular pathway. You know, if things move out of line, then you start having chaos in, in the things of God. And so predestination has the element of order about it in, in, in how we do life, in how we relate with one another as we do life. We, everybody honoring their, their space in God. And if each, and each and every one of us honors their space in God and obeys their space in God, then you find there's going to be order in the way things unfold. That, that can't really, ultimately, they can't be um, uh, 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 imposed on you and I. It can't be forced. You know, it, it can't be coerced. It, it can't be demanded. Really, you and I need to conform to something. You and I need to, need to, need to, need to, need to yield ourselves. In fact, we, we love that which God loves about us or for us. Uh, it's our pleasure, like those planets, to move in this order. So the, it's amazing that these celestial objects, nobody, nobody, there is no government somewhere that regulates this. There's no earthly government, in other words, that regulates the activity of these, of these celestial objects. As they move around, they, 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 they are ordered by the Lord, because it is the Lord who created them and placed them. And so predestination is God setting that curved pathway for you and I that you and I are called to follow 
and to, to, to honor and to, and to strictly and you know, be very diligent in following that race that is marked out for you and I. And each, each, if each and every person does that, then there will be order in the house of God. And the, the purposes of God will flow unhindered. Now, how interesting is it that in this scripture, in Jude chapter 1 verse 13, it talks about the corruption in the church. And Jude says about these corrupt leaders in Jude chapter 1 verse 13, they are, they are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for, uh, for, for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. The metaphors that Jude is using are quite amazing. In one sense, he uses the metaphor of, a, of wild waves. Now, I've been to the beach a couple of times. I don't know if anybody has been to the beach here. This is Deben. This is, this is not. I know, I know God is in Johannesburg. This is Deben. You know, we go to the beach from time to time. And, and sometimes, you know, there's time when, you know, the, the, the waves get a little wild. And, and what happens when the waves get a little wild is the lifeguards will call you back, right? You know what happens? But, and, and I was thinking about that's quite interesting. Because when the waves are calm and flowing nicely and smoothly, it actually has a calming effect to watch them. You just want to, but when they get wild, it's like you get scared. It's like sharks. And LSA, we are not a wild wave. We need to be the kind of wave in the spirit that, that is attractive. The kind of wave that brings calm and peace and security in the, in the, in the hearts of the people. So, so Jude rebukes these corrupt leaders in the church for being wild waves on the one hand. But he also says they are wandering stars, which means they are not following the set pathway, that curved path of the Lord for themselves. They are just doing anything. They're just driven by activity, but that activity is not guided by a pathway that they are sensing and discerning in the Lord. And, and, that, and that is not right. So we don't want to be the wild waves. But we also don't want to be the wandering stars. Because predestined people must follow the set path. Must discover progressively what it is that God has set for them as their destiny. And they must seek to pursue that. And only that. They cannot be the wandering stars like Jude says. Now, when you contrast that Jude uh, chapter 1 verse 13 uh, with Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 to 16. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and, uh, to 16, it says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of, of life, in order that I may boast, Paul was once who boast about this church, of the Philippians, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. So he says, shine like stars in the universe. That's a very, very beautiful metaphor. If we're talking about predestination and following curved pathways and set pathways of the Lord, it means that the way we impact the world also depends not simply 
on the kinds of activities we are doing, but on the divine order of God in the process of doing activity. Yeah? We are shining like stars. Shining like stars. And those are not wandering stars. These are the stars that follow the curved path of the Lord. That are moving in divine order in relationship to one another. We're shining like stars in the universe. And that's a beautiful, beautiful metaphor. And these are concepts of predestination that I want to impart into your heart as we, as we build this up uh, this afternoon. So we are not to be wild waves that, are, you know, that make people scared and want to run away. But we are to be the kinds of waves that bring calm and a sense of security. And we are not to be the wandering stars, but we are to, to be the stars that follow the orbits of the Lord in pursuit of our set destiny. Because you and I have a destiny. As we've been looking at, you know, the, the, this young boy of 17 years, um, you know, of age, Joseph, he followed his his curved path, and man, it was a curved path. But he made sure that he did not, you know, come out of it. What would coming out of that curved path have looked like? Maybe offense, bitterness, sin, yeah? And all of those kinds of things. So we're shining like stars in the universe. Then we also spoke last Sunday about this issue that we are in Christ. You and I are in Christ. There are a whole lot of scriptures that speak about the fact that we are in Christ. I just put in reference here as an example, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man is in Christ, and that word man meaning if any person is in Christ, that word man, there's not a gender, does not mean if any male is in Christ, if any person is in Christ, and the phrase in Christ, which is quite a common phrase in the New Testament scriptures, in Christ, and you will bump into this phrase in Christ from time to time, and when we study that phrase, really, uh, doctrinally, means that Christ is our defined sphere of options and limits. So, how amazing is it that there's a destiny that we have in Christ, and we're orbiting within Christ, right? We are not coming out of that curved pathway, which is Christ. We're not falling off. You know, we are the kind of people that are circulating within our defined sphere of limit. And that defined sphere of limit is the life of Christ. And I want to refresh that inside of our minds because it's a very, very important issue. And if you build on that, the idea that we are in Christ, and Christ is our universe. He is our universe within which we are orbiting as the people of God. It means you and I, and as churches, we've got to discern our spheres and limits in Christ, actually. We've got to discern our spheres, and we've got to discern our limits, so there is a big universe that is Christ, but within Christ, there are different uh, allocations of grace, of destinies that have been allocated to each and every church and to each and every person. So Ephesians 4, which is a scripture of ascension of Jesus Christ and his allocation of 
gives to men. It says grace has been given to each one as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given to each one. Grace or anointing, the, the resource of God, the destiny of God has been allocated to each one of us. And then it says, when Christ ascended, he gave some to be different kinds of things. In the context of that scripture, it's talking about some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Now, it's, it's amazing that the picture I want us to get is that Christ is this big universe for us, for all believers, right? For all people that, that have been born again, people that have been converted uh, in Christ Jesus, have this massive universe that, that is Jesus. But within that massive universe, there are defined pathways and destinies. Not every believer is supposed to be the same, in a sense, in terms of destinies. Yeah, not every, not every believer is supposed to be the same. Grace has been given to each one as Christ apportioned it. When Christ ascended, he gave some to be different kinds of things. So Christ, in other words, allocates diversities to people, diverse expressions to the church. So the idea I want us to get is that Christ is this massive universe for all believers within which you and I must find our particular destiny. Yeah? In other words, we are not supposed to be generic. You know, uh, there are universal principles, of course, that characterize every person that calls themselves a, a, a Christ believer or a disciple. But then there are specific pathways that have been allocated to each one of us that we are called to follow. Grace has been given. Christ is the big, massive universe because we are in Christ. He is our universe. Our universe is not this world. Our universe is Christ. But within that universe that is Christ, there are defined particular destinies and pathways, curved pathways that you and I are called to pursue and descend. That's why I put there descending spheres and limits. Here's how 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, uh, you know, you know uh, talks about these issues of diversities. It says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Let me read that again. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The picture I want us to be getting is that there is the same God, same Lord, who is our big universe, within which there are diverse expressions and curved pathways, right? You get the picture? Yeah, it's, it's just balancing it like that. So get the picture of this massive world that is Christ, within which there are defined races, pathways, destinies for each and every one of us. That's what predestination looks like. So we have the big, the bigness of God. He is our universal expression and within that universality, there are 
there are curved pathways like you saw those images. I think I have the, in the little image uh, on the corner there, uh, these planets orbiting. There's the, 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 the bigness of the universe gives enough space for these planets to orbit. But the planets are orbit, orbiting within a defined pathway, a pathway that has been set by God. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, of course, the problem of the church is that we focus on the diversities of gifts, the differences of ministries, and the diversities of activities, and we use that as a basis of fighting one another. And we lose sight of the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. So if we honor the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same God, then we'll equally honor the curved pathways that have been allocated to each and every one of us. Do you get the picture? And once you see that, that brings order and healing and harmony and unity within your heart. You, difference of expression will not be the basis of conflict or undermining one another. There are diversities of gifts. And that word gifts there means graces, anointings. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries. And the word ministries there mean, meaning administrations, services. There are there are ministries. There's a ministry that God has allocated to this church, Living Stones Agents. He has put a burden of the word of kingdom humanity. It's, a, it's the Lord who's done that. There are differences of ministries, of services, of administrations. We have a service to the world. We have a service to the body of Christ. There is a, a word that God has placed upon our heart. That is what keeps us awake at night. It is to proclaim the humanity of Jesus Christ to the world. And that is a service that we are called to bring. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Then it says there are diversities of activities. And the word activities meaning operations, works. So the duty of like every eldership in any church is to sit and understanding the purpose of the Lord upon the church that they govern to work out the schedule of activities that speak into that. Yeah? So we don't just, <laughs> we don't just, when beginning of the year, what can we do? What, what are we going to do? We are not seeking to populate our calendars for the sake of being busy. We are seeking to express and to service the purpose of God. And how do we do it? We might pull a seminar to do that. We might say, hey, there must be a kingdom humanity seminar to do that. Because there's something invisible that we're servicing. And if you are just interacting with the activity, you lose sight of the things that are orbiting. Yeah? Right down to our lifestyles, right down to the conversations we need to have, right down to the coffees we need to have, right down to the prayers we need to have, right down to the fastings we need to have, right down to how we'll raise our sons and daughters, right down to how we'll hold our marriages, right down to how we build our families. There is something that we are servicing. It's a service unto God. It's, a, it's an administration unto God. 
you know, no matter what sort of context we find ourselves, whether singles or married, young and old, male or female, in our manhood, in our womanhood, we are servicing something invisible. There is something circulating. So I might call a meeting with Mafa and Kiggs and say, hey, we need to talk about something. You know, and we might have a two-hour you know, dynamic conversation about something. We are servicing an element of the purpose of God through the meeting. We are not just having a church board meeting like in a traditional sense. Yeah? Because when you have just well, church board meeting, that's when people start fighting. You know, the reason why we start fighting as, as believers or even as leaders or whatever is because we have lost sight of the invisible thing that we are called to administer. So you are called to service something. There is a, a, a difference of ministry. There is a, a service. There is an anointing that God has placed upon this church. I went to a church this morning. Uh, you know, there was a, a special function. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a church led by friends. And it's a very different church from LSA. I can't walk into the church and expect LSA in its flavor and anointing and flow. And yet there will be interchange and exchange of resource and anointings and knowledge and doctrine in the process because that's how the body is, right? The heart interacts with, you know, everything, in, organs interact. There is interaction. And the world has to see the body. Because Sanganane is not his kidney. I mean, if you were to see Sanganane's kidney is walking, Kidneys walking and running. I was like, what's that? It's like, we are Sanganani. No, you are not Sanganani. <laughs> so there has to be interaction because it's the body of Christ in that sense, as the Bible teaches it. So diversities of, of gifts, yeah? And so God, here's how, how this thing works. It's purpose that determines what kind of gift you and I receive. I, I think we've done this teaching before, right? And, 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 you know, but it's purpose first. Purpose determines the kind of gifting. So if you think about Joseph, here's a big thing about Joseph. We talk, we talk about Joseph, and this is our part three series about, around Joseph, is that really his gift of interpreting dreams was facilitating something higher than interpreting dreams. And that was to move Israel into Egypt. There was a context. The problem God would create is that Pharaoh would have a dream. So ultimately, the harnessing of that gifting would ultimately meet that, that climax, that need of a Pharaoh. But really, that's not the ultimate you know, point. The ultimate point is that through that process of the man who interprets meeting the, the king who has a problem of dreams is that this family of Jacob has to move in, the, the nation of Israel has to be established, and eventually Joseph would say, take, your, take my bones when you leave. So that interpreting of dreams was linked to, linked to something higher than the interpretation of dreams.
the, 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 when, when, when gifts are exercised outside of the context of, of orbits and purpose, you know, they themselves can become a problem. They, they, can, become a, they can become a hindrance. You know, they can become a hindrance. The, the bronze snake in the desert became a place of idolatry ultimately, 400 years later. Remember the people of Israel beaten, being beaten by snakes? Yeah? And God says to Moses, erect this bronze snake. Everybody that looks at the snake will be saved. And if you are beaten by the snake and you look at the, at the bronze snake, you actually would not die. Anybody who did not look at the, snake, at the bronze snake would die. But 400 years later, that became an idol. It became an irritation before the Lord. It became an abomination before the Lord. It became a problem. It became, it became a thing that hindered people. Gift exercised outside of the context of purpose is problematic. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. So, we have our own activities here. We have our own operational schedule here. Activities, uh, diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Really that word di diversities or differences is the same word in the Greek um, uh, that is used there. I'm reading, I was reading that from the New King James it's a word that means distinctions, classifications, and divisions. So basically, basically means this. There are distinctions of gifts or classifications of gifts. There are distinctions of ministries or classification of ministries. There are distinctions of activities and classification of activities. You can't, so for us, we would have a kingdom citizenship seminar. There's a classification of activity, but that activity is servicing something higher than the activity itself. We get, we get this? And that's and that really, that's how you want to run your life. You wanna, that principle applies right down to your personal life. That's how you want to you wanna, you wanna, you wanna run your life. And, and so I want us to really get this. It's very, very important. Christ is our massive universe, but within which there are curved pathways that you and I are called to descend. There are distinctions, there are classifications, there are divisions. I need us, LSA, being very clear about the distinctions, classifications of the anointing of this church. Yep. Yet. I need us to be very clear, just like believers in other churches need to be very clear about the classifications and distinctions of anointings, ministries, and activities of that particular church. I need us to understand and to be content and to find that div uh, predetermined, curved pathway of the Lord for this particular church. That I was to find our lane in the purposes of God. Yeah? And to find our lane as individuals. To not compare ourselves with ourselves. Yeah? To not compare ourselves with what's going on out there, but to compare ourselves with the Lord. To, 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 
to, to, to use the Lord as the reference constantly of what we are called to be and to do. Because I think that's very, very important to understand. For every church, I would, you know, I would teach this in any, in any other church. Because I think it's very, very important. If you're building a healthy church, you need believers in that church understanding the curved pathway of that particular church. That means understanding the, 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 the gifts, the kinds of gifts that are flowing in the church, the kinds of uh, ministries that are flowing in the church, and the kinds of activities that have to be administrated in the church. Every, but the principle applies to your family. The principle applies to, your individu- to you as an indiv- individual. You've got to understand, based on your destiny, you've got to understand the kinds of gifts that God has given you and the kinds of ministries, services and administrations that God has given you and the kinds of operations or activities that God has given you. Uh-huh. Is that clear? Yeah? Very, very important. Very, very important. I cannot overemphasize this. So as we conclude 2022, as God stares us for 2023, as we consolidate and refresh within our own hearts, I want us to come back to the understanding that here in the Lord, in the massive universe of Jesus Christ, there is a curved pathway for each and every church. And it is the duty of the leadership of the church to find out what that looks like and to pursue that and to work out the kinds of activities in the scheduling of operations. You know, we're going to have to uh, you know, populate 2023. We can't just brainstorm it. Or we can't just copy from church C. Yeah? Or we can't just copy what is the trend on social media. What is everybody doing? And then do the same thing. We, are, we will be doing a bad job as elders if we did that. We have to look into the Lord and look into the dimension of God's purpose for this church and then work out the kinds of activities that have to be scheduled and the pacing, the intervals, everything is important. Do you have two kingdom humanity meetings or three in a year is important. And responsible eldership has to work that out. I get very concerned when leaders work people, like, you know, like week in and week out, just work. And in the context like that, people don't have time to build their own lives, to build their marriages, to build their families, and that's what happens. And then people eventually crash. So leaders have to discern the intensity, the scope of the purpose of God, and work out the, the, the scheduling of that, based on what God demands, and balance that out with the health of the church. So Paul would say, I'm supposed to be giving you meat, but I have to give you milk because of where you are. He's working out the the flow of the things of God based on where the church is, and these are very, very important. This is like like a, a pastoral seminar right now. Everybody got that? Christ is a massive universe for all of us, but within that universe, there are curved pathways for each and every individual and for each and every church. That's important. That's important. You know, flag that in your mind. I want you to think about that and pray about that, and I want you, LSA, to be understanding. I cannot overemphasize the, 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 the element of purpose for this church 
and therefore the diverse gifting, the diverse ministry, and the diverse activity or operations that are relevant for this church. If you walked into the eldership meeting of LSA elders, that meeting has to feel like a meeting for LSA, community or church. But if I walk into an eldership meeting of a church I went to this morning, it needs to feel like the church I went to this morning. You know, they need to find out for themselves what are the services, what are the administrations, what are the graces and anointings. In other words, what, what is the equipment that God has allocated to this church? You know, what kind, what kind of arsenal do we, do we have? Arsenal not meaning the, you know, Kai, Timothy. You know, you know what I mean by these things. <laughs> you know what I mean, you know, Joshua, you know what I mean by these things. What is, what is God's arsenal for us? What's the equipment? What are the tools that God has given? You know, you can't, if you go to the part of what leader, leaders must do is do, the king what? Does what? Count, he counts his soldiers before he goes to the, to the battlefield, right? In other words, it's not just counting, not just counting the literal numbers, but counting the, the kind of skills, the skill set. What can we do with the people that God has given us? You know, what is the skill set? What are the anointings? What are the gifts, giftings that are beginning to manifest? What is God doing in our youth? This is an eldership conversation. What is God doing in our youth? What can we do with that kind of youth? Oh, with that kind of youth, we can go to Kingdom Humanity Backfields. Yeah? We, we can pull off seminars with that kind of youth. And these are very, very important, very, very important issues. LSA, that I want us to, I want us to understand this. This is, this, is, this is apostolic doctrine in its very, very clarified sense. And I want us to understand these, these issues. Predestination and the nature of God. The nature of God. Everybody got that? Everybody got that? It's very, very important. I mean, take, take the audio and just listen to it a couple of times. You know, clarify your mind, boss. There's a lot of post-COVID confusion going around in the church. People are absolutely confused. They're being shepherded by social media. It's absolute chaos in the house of God. And I want us to come back to these apostolic doctrines, boss. These, these are going to be very, very important for us. Predestination in the nature of God. We declared the scripture last Sunday. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 11. I want to declare it again to you, LSA. Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. How many of us would, like, would love that, right? We want God to show us and to keep showing us the end. We want to see the end. We want to see how it lands. We want to see how the things of God conclude. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, 
I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. That's you and I, right? We're summoned by God to fulfill his purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I? What I have planned, that will I? Do. What I have planned, that will I do. You know what that, that word does? It, you know, it, it makes me to only concern myself. With what, what has God said? If I can figure out what God, what God has said, then I can allocate my faith to that. What has God said about your life, about your business, about your vocation? About your family, about your son, about your daughter? That God will do. He will fulfill it. What has God said about this church, about LSA? You know, we, we, have, we have a bank of resources, of prophecies, of things that God has said about us. And, and that which God has said, that he will do. And so part, the, the, the next thing that I really want to emphasize for us, LSA, is as we conclude 2022 and step into 2023, is to start thinking a lot more about what God has said. Yeah? That helps us from gossip and, you know, all the stuff that happens. Or from, you know, just letting the enemy mess up with our minds and stuff like that. Let's think more about what God has said. Go back and revisit your prophecies. Go back and revisit moments where God spoke into your heart. Write that in a journal. Look at it. Let it, let it, let it impact you once again. Yeah? Can we do that? As we conclude the year, can we, can we, can we, can we go back to what God has said? Look at your neighbor and say, go back to what God has said. Let's go back to what God has said. Don't, don't let your mind be a wandering star. You know the mind can go to all sorts of places, man. You compute with your mind, you conclude, you, you form a picture, and oh my God. And based on what you form, it can terrify you, it can depress you. You know, let's go back to what God has said. Let's go back and think about what God has said. Let's, let's prioritize what God has said. Let's, let's listen to what God has said. I think the word of you know, Peter and the book of Peter says, pay attention, pay more careful attention to the things that God has spoken to you, the prophecies of the Lord to, to your life. Let's go back to what God has said. And I want us to be thinking about that. That's very, very important. Uh, Instead of just listening to the noise of the world and what's going on out there, let's go back and review and reflect upon what God has said. I think that's going to be young people, old people, men, women, couples, singles. Let's go back and listen to what God has said. What has God said? All of us in our different categories. The Hadebis must go back and check what God has said. I want Vanessa to go back and check what God has said about her. I want Londi to go back and check what God has said. What has God said about me? Because that which God has planned, that thing he will do. And so let's use that as our start, as our alpha experience. Not, 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 not the wild imaginations of the mind, but what the thing that God has said. 
is the thing that defines who I am, is the thing that is my hope. That is my future security, the thing that God has said. That thing is my future security. Amen. That thing is my future security. And that is Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 11. Can we do that, LSA? As we conclude the year, can we go back to, to what God has said? Because he's not a man that he should lie, right? Yeah, he will fulfill his word. He upholds his word above everything. Yeah, his word is true. So we uphold what God has said about us. And we use that as a reference point. Not what the world is saying. Not what people around us may be saying. But what God has said about us is our reference point. It's our starting place. It is our alpha experience. We'll use that. So I want us, as we conclude the year, to go back to the prophetic record. Say that to your neighbor. Go back to the prophetic record. Let's go back to the prophetic record, LSA. Shut the noise of this world, the noise of social media, you know, of the news. Let's go back to the prophetic record. Because that which God has said that he will bring about, that which God has planned that he will do, and that means we have to go back to the prophetic record. You know, when last did you pray about what God has said to your, to your life? When last did you fast about what God said to your life? Go back to the prophetic record. Go back to the prophetic record, LSA. Absolutely important. Let's distill, let's clarify, let's remove the, the clutter and all of the noises of the world by going back to the prophetic record. Go, go back to the things that God has said about you. That's the, the Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 to 11. The second script I want to uh, bring to us about the nature of God is Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, reading from the NIV says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. The New American Standard updated says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to, uh, to, uh, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Very, very, this is a predestination scripture. From one man, the NIV says, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined, that word determined means is a word horizon. Again, linked to the word horizon. To mark out a boundary. He marked out a boundary. And he marked out the times, which is the kairos, the boundary of opportunities. It means that you and I don't just go for anything that presents itself to us. There are boundaries of opportunities in the realm of the spirit. That's what determines our pacing, LSA. Yeah. We are not just slow or fast people. We are descend people. We are people that descend the Lord. And so God gave us the boundaries of opportunity. That means there are opportunities that are irrelevant for this church. Yeah? There are opportunities that are irrelevant for, for you as an individual. There are opportunities that are in, irrelevant for, for you as a family. 
Every opportunity has to be linked to the purpose of God. And Jesus lived like that, you know, anointed without measure. One time he goes to a pool and he heals just one guy out of many crippled people. And he walks away. And you can imagine as he walks away, everybody calling the name Jesus, right? Heal me also. Heal me also. And he says, I only do what I see my father do. So what is he saying? I'm not regulated by my gift. Yeah? I'm regulated by something higher than the gift. And that's the purpose of God. The boundary of opportunities. God set the boundary of opportunities. He determined the time set. That word set means to prearrange, to set in order before. It means to put a specific command forward for a specific reason. So there's a, comma, there's a command that you and I are following. There's a command that has gone ahead of your life. You are not just following your own abilities or what this world says that, or age says that you must do or be. You're following a command. There's a command that's going ahead of you. It's been set by God. He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. I want us to be thinking about these things. There are boundaries of opportunities. We need to teach our sons and daughters these things. Not every opportunity is meant for you. There are boundaries of opportunity. You may have a whole lot of gifts and, and talents, but there are boundaries of opportunity that you've got to follow. You are following a curved pathway in relation to other objects or believers. And if you're moving out of pace and rhythm, you mess up not only your life, but you mess up a whole range of other things. Not every opportunity is relevant for you. The way that Ecclesiastes put is that the, the, the race is not to the swift. Yeah? The race is not to the swift. It means this is not about who can run faster. This is about discerning the boundaries of opportunity. So, Alice, in 2022, in my age, in 2022, in the journey that I'm having with God in 2022, I have to be in absolute peace that I have engaged every opportunity that was relevant for my life. Yeah? The question is, do you and I have that peace? Do you have the peace of God that you are engaged according to the boundary of opportunity within your life? Or are you split and, you know, things swelling and pulling you to all sorts of directions because you've, trying to, you've been trying to grab everything and trying to affirm yourself in this world? Which is the real pressure with social media especially, yeah? I mean, if we as humans ever liked just being seen and being recognized, social media just <laughs> touched that nerve. So the pressure, what do you think? Where are you checking in? What are you doing? What, is your, what are you achieving? These are the issues. And it's going to be important also for you parents to be teaching your sons and daughters these principles. As they pursue their career, this is going to be important. Yeah. 
Are you singing here and worshiping the Lord? And, you know, are they meant to be going all over singing? These are, these are the issues. These are the wrestles, you know, for you, for us parents to, to manage these gifts. Because the world keeps calling, right? Come, come, come. That's what the world does. It keeps putting pressure. And that's what, you know, you go, go and check athletes, you know, they feel the pressure. So depressions and go and check celebrities, musicians. Once you've signed those contracts, come. More albums, come. The deal's got to be fulfilled, come, come. And, and so there are boundaries of opportunity. There are intervals in life, and these things are so very important. So in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, the predestination principle means this, I'm where I'm meant to be, with the people I'm meant to be with, and doing the things I'm meant to be doing. I'm where I'm meant to be, with the people I'm meant to be with, and doing the things that I'm meant to be doing. I'm where I'm meant to be, with the people I'm meant to be with, and doing the things I'm meant to be, do to be doing. This is a a predestination principle. In other words, I am moving within my orbit and I am in harmony with other objects around me. I'm not violating the order of God for, for anything. I, I've found my placement in the big universe, universe that is Jesus Christ. I found my placement. I'm where I'm meant to be with the people I'm meant to be with and doing the things are meant to be doing. How beautiful is that? Uh, that being, brings peace. Man, we want peace. Eh? We want the peace of God. Shalom. Peace, prosperity. That's what we want. Not trying to set ourselves. We don't need to. God must, uh, must affirm us. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. God must affirm us in environments and spaces, we don't have to do it ourselves. You just have to be where you're meant to be with the people you're meant to be with doing the things you're meant to be doing. And then God does the rest as you find that harmony in the things of God. How beautiful is that? The nature of God. The third scripture I want to introduce you to concerning the nature of God. Psalm 139 verses 14 to 18. Beautiful scripture. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Verses 14 to 18. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. You know, babies and the children ask, where, where did you come from, daddy? And we used to be told back in the days, you, you fell from the, from the aeroplane. Like I fell from the aeroplane. Wow. Sounds amazing. And then every aeroplane that flies by in the village, you're like. <laughs> you look at the, the object of your beginnings. <laughs> the object of wonder. You know. The old people have a way of hiding things, man. It's like I fell from the aeroplane. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together. In the depths of the earth, 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. How beautiful is that? Yo. I mean, my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How beautiful is that? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the, uh, the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Beautiful scripture. About predestination, man. All the days. How many days? Did you know how you find, we find peace in there? All the days ordained. That word ordained means fashioned. It means to squeeze into shape. To mold into a form. It talks about the potter playing with the clay. You know, that's where you start talking about the garden of kicks and clay. I think God is doing things here, man. <laughs> it talks about, you know, the potter forming an image or using the clay. The creative work of God. So you know what? Your life is a 10, 16, 17, 18. It's like God doing this, man. You make your plan. I'm going to do this. And how many of us made nice plans when you were 17? Then I'm going to do this. Then, then I'm going to be 20 and I'm going to do this. I'm going to be in this place. And then, you know, I'm going to achieve this by this age. I'm going to have this degree. And the porter is doing this. <laughs> it's crazy. So, you know, in 1996, man, I was leading this society at, uh, you know, at universities. I was, I was a president of this society, of economic st student. I was like a VIP. <laughs> like a president. I was a guy. We'd get the university combi and drive it and feel important. Like, ah, yeah, we're driving the university, the company, our car. And, you know, orientate the, the freshers. What are they called? Oh, freshers, you know. The dumos of this life. <laughs> orientate them on campus two weeks and do all the important things. And 1996 came when I was going to go uh, to France to, to meet with other presidents <laughs> of, 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 economic <laughs> of economic societies. And I was getting ready, getting my documents ready. I went to a pharmacy from high school where this tradition of taking castor oil. <laughs> Before the you know, athletic season, they would give us, put us on a long line and take castor oil. I got used to castor oil. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to a, a, you know, and then I had this tradition of taking castor oil. It's crazy. Man, this teacher really conditioned us. I went to the pharmacy uh, to buy castor oil. I saw castor oil. I took camphor oil. <laughs> the trip is coming. I'm going to go to France to meet with other presidents of other societies of economic students. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
this speech right now. I go home, I, I down the camphor oil. <laughs> as soon as I down the camphor oil, I'm like, Jacks, what's going on here, man? It's like, and there were other guys that they were very, like, you need to go back to the pharmacy. <laughs> I go, go back to the pharmacy, come on, what, what happened here? I remember the pharmacist phoning the doctor and looking very worried. And immediately they rushed me to hospital. I was still okay. Standing in the queue in the hospital, I remember standing in the queue, and then I, I collapsed. I remember very faintly being resuscitated. Almost died. <laughs> being resuscitated. This is 1996. I'm supposed to be going to France. <laughs> Thank God for camphor oil. <laughs> French hook makes it, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's a compensation, French hook. You know, it's an, you know, and like, resuscitate. I remember that. I spent a whole week in the hospital, man. There goes my trip. I'm like, oh my god, my trip, my trip, my trip. <laughs> 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 the porter busy squeezing the clay. <laughs> well, God knows if that door opened, obviously, Bunjo come as a fall. So for beer. Talking no kingdom humanity. You know, a whole week in hospital, like, oh, what am I doing here? I phoned the guys, guys, I can't go and meet the presidents. <laughs> I'm recovering in the hospital. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. All the days ordained. Fashion, squeezing into shape. Molding into form. The potter working with the clay, shaping that image. The creative work of God. This is the same way that is used in... Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed the man from the ground. It's the same words. So this word talks about the creative work of God, the framing of seasons. The framing of seasons. So even your season, you're 2022 framed in God. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3? By faith we understand this. That the universe of conditions framed by God. My 2021, my 2020, this, this, this pandemic season, everything ordained and framed in God, meaning there is allocation of grace, sufficient grace for me, for me to walk through those seasons. There is allocation of grace, of people, of, of resource, in every way that I will need it for me to walk through. What God has ordained. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And there goes, there, you know, I lost my opportunity to go and meet other presidents. And I'm like, you know what, this president thing. <laughs> this president thing. How precious to me are your thoughts. Oh God. 
How precious are the thoughts of God for this church. How vast is the sum of them. Let's focus our minds on the thoughts of God. On the voice of this world. At Psalm 139 in verse 16 from the New Living Translation. You saw me before I was born. And I like that phrase, me before I was born. Yeah? My construct. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day. I mean, every day. It means there's grace allocation for my Monday, for my 2022. God saw my 2021. He saw it. And it's recorded in the Chronicles of God. Nothing takes him by surprise. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. He saw us. He saw you, Vanessa. He saw your 2021. All recorded. Grace allocated. You saw me before I was born. I may just be catching up with things, but you saw me. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before every, every moment. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. In the message translation, it says, like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life, all prepared, all. So there is no chaos in my life. There is no chaos in my life. It is all prepared. It is all the expression of divine order. I just need to find the grace. I just need to find the voice of God. I just need to locate God in the midst of it all. There is no chaos in my life. Say that. There is no chaos in my life. The stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I had even lived one day. That's the message translation. Beautiful is that. The creative works of God. So it uses in Psalm 139, in verse 16, uh, the word ordained is the word, same word, fashioned, God creating, the creative works of God. If you want to put that back into Genesis 2-7, God formed, God fashioned, God ordained me out of debt. Yeah? He pulls me out of chaos. Out of death from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. The message translation. Which means that out of death from the ground, out of chaos, yeah? The chaos of your family upbringing and human conditions and your time and, and generation. God ordains, God forms, God fashions us towards a destiny in Christ. Long before we start the journey of life. How beautiful is that? God forms us from the debt, from the chaos of life. He forms me. You know, from the chaos of life, he forms me. You just look, think about your upbringing and issues. And I think about my many 
cousins that fell off that died, and I didn't. He formed me from the chaos of life. He formed me. He formed me. And he continues to frame me. And he structures my seasons. There is order. There is no chaos in my life. I declare the boss, the word of God tells me so. The same principle applies to, the, to a church community like Living Stones Agency. God has ordained, yeah? He saw the unformed body. He, God works out the, the membership spread of every church. There is no chaos. He works it out. And he has ordained, he has fashioned, written in his book, which means there is what we call predestination faith. What kind of faith? Predestination faith. We are aligning ourselves with the future as set by God. And we'll believe in that future. All the seasons of a church community are predetermined and grace pre-allocated for us to walk through spiritual and human conditions and to be victorious in the purposes of the Lord. There is no chaos in him. Everything is prepared. Yeah? I mean, Psalm 23 does say he prepares a table, right? In the presence of my enemies. There is no chaos in him. All the seasons of a church community are predetermined and grace preallocated for us to walk through 2022, for us to walk through 2021, for us to, to walk through human conditions and to be victorious in the purposes of the Lord. All we need to do is reach out for the grace of God. Amen. Reach out for that grace. Reach out for that grace. Look at your neighbor and say, reach out for the grace of God. Reach out for the grace of God. All the seasons of a community, of a church community, are predetermined and grace preallocated for us to walk through spiritual and human conditions and to be victorious in the purposes of the Lord. He has ordained. How beautiful is that? And it is written in his books. He has ordained and it is written in his books, I love this. This is beautiful. Predestination issues. He has ordained and it is written in his books. I mean, uh, uh, that, that, that brings a sense of security in my heart. The story of my life is written in his books. That he has ordained, he has fashioned, that the, the potter is working with the clay. You know, many are the plans in a man's heart, right? Like I had a plan to go to France. But it is the will of the Lord that will prevail. It is the will of the Lord that will prevail. You know, the potter keeps squeezing and forming and shaping according to his pleasure. And we must find security in the work of the potter in our lives. Of course, in John 14, Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place, right? He, things have been prepared for us. Things have been prepared for us. Now, I love this, and that's where, you know, I bring in this phrase, future security. Let's say that again. Future security. It feels like a, a thing to pull out, like a, talk about the, the future security of a nation like South Africa, man. Future security. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That verse 16, Psalm 139. So predestination is our obedient journey in Christ. 
And I love the phrase, things are written in your book. Meaning there's security. Because they're not written in some government plan. Yeah? I mean, imagine your, the plan of your life was dependent on the, the great plans your parents had made for you. Yeah? I mean, it's like, where, were you, where, where would you be today? Th thank God for parenting, right? And thank God for parents. But I love the fact that it's written in God's book. Our obedient journey with the Lord is secured beyond human and demonic reach. Our obedient journey with the Lord is secured beyond human and demonic reach. Our obedient journey is secured in Christ in the most holy place. In the most holy place. Written in his book. I love the fact that it's not just in my journal, man. Yeah? I mean, your journal gets lost. You know, we forget things. It's written in God's book. It's secured. If we, are, if we will be obedient to what God would say to us, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a beautiful thing. Written in your book. Not just in my journal. Not just in my computer. Not just in some government policy document. But written in your book. I love that. Love that. I depend on what God has inscribed you know, in his book. I love that. Absolutely, absolutely important. You know, as our sons and daughters step, you know, as Dumo step out of grade 12, written in his book, Dumo. You know, not in some government policy about the youth and the Department of Education. Written where? In his book. Written in his book written in his book. And that's what we want to depend upon. There is future security. In other words. There is future security. Written in your book. So only we can decide to walk away from a secured pathway of, law, of, of, of God. Yeah? By way of recklessness, of drifting, and of disobedience. Only we can decide to walk away from a secured pathway of life by way of recklessness, of drifting, and of disobedience. How beautiful is this? How beautiful is this? How beautiful is this? How beautiful is this? That's Psalm 139, verses 14 to 18. Psalm 139, verses 14 to 18. How beautiful is this? Last two slides here, which we'll pick on probably next Sunday. So what, what does Joseph do after all of the, what looks like chaos in his life? Is that he secures his predestination through what? Through what? Reconciliation. By reconciling with his brothers. And of course, in Genesis 50 verse 20, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. God intended to profit me, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Remember the teaching on the mosaic of God? Out of the brokenness of our lives, God forms something beautiful. This picture that you see is the 
Japanese style of uh, Japanese mosaic art. How they use gold to rebuild and restore, uh, you know, uh, uh, things, broken things, uh, vessels, in whatever, you know, form and shape. And, and how beautiful is that? And actually, in the Japanese culture, it looks more beautiful. That which has been restored from brokenness looks much more beautiful than how it used to look in its original state. So in making peace with his brothers, Joseph facilitated the reconciliation of dimensions of God's purposes represented in each of the brothers. So what Joseph does is he restores the order of the orbits. I mean, how absolutely profound is that? We've got to love Joseph. And this becomes a seed through which the nation of Israel is formed. When he decides to not execute his brothers, but rather to reconcile with them, he actually restores the orbit within the universe of God into a beautiful mosaic in the purposes of God. What does it cost him? Just giving away his right to life, yeah? Just giving away his right to life. That's how he secures his predestination. So this mosaic of God is formed, this beautiful picture, this beautiful image is formed, and it's a beautiful thing. And man, we've got to follow the example of Joseph in life. Eh? Joseph is a prophetic icon. Joseph is a prophetic icon. He restores, he's not just reconciling with human beings, he's reconciling dimensions of purpose. Circulating in the orbit of God's universe. That's what he's doing. He's looking into the architecture of God, God's design and God's future, and he sees out of that the imperative to reconcile. And in that way, he could eventually say, take my bones when you leave. There is no taking my bones when you leave if you execute them. Yeah? Of course, in Psalm 105 verse 19, it says, the word of God had to prove him, test him, and try him, right? Until the word of God proved him true. Until the word of God tried him. He was tried by the word. So here's what happens. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells us that in the parable of the sower, that when a man hears the word of the Lord, persecution comes because of that word. There are troubles that come because you and I have embraced a word from God. That will not come to you if you have not embraced a word from God. That's basically what it means. So the word of God has to prove you true. It will test your own character. Your own, the substance of your own character will be tested in the word of God. That word prove or tried and tested means to refine, to purify, to take away the dross. It also means to fuse metals. So that's a reconciliation word. To fuse metals through the process of heating. So the word of God is ultimately tested in Joseph the moment he reconciles with his brothers. The authenticity of the word is proven true in that moment. Not when he interprets dreams. When he reconciles with brothers and restores the orbit of God, the universe and the movement of God's purposes, 
in the realm of the spirit, Joseph is proven true. That's when he succeeds. It's not when he interprets a dream, the dream for Pharaoh. The moment Joseph succeeds is when he stands eyeball to eyeball with his brothers. And says, you are my brothers, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. You don't have to be fearful. When he reconciles, he's reconciling something more than just humans. He's reconciling was each one of those brothers, as we see in the prophecies from their father Jacob when he prophesies, they represent something. And the nation of Israel is formed out of that. How absolutely significant is Joseph. And thank God for Abraham. Because he receives the, the covenant and the promise about there shall be a nation. That's a great word, right? Thank God for Jacob. Thank God, thank God, thank God for all of the courage. Thank God for Noah. But thank God for Joseph. Because actually he glues it together. He, he secures it in the purposes of God through, by, by, by rising up in his heart, by developing a big heart and a big mind, and by letting go of the right to life. He reconciles something in God. Amen. Let's stand and pray.